It's very good to be here this evening. As was announced, we'll be studying Romans, the sixth chapter. I would encourage you to turn to Romans 6, if you'd like to follow along with us this evening. I appreciate the prayer on my behalf. It is my prayer as well that the things that I have to share with you this evening are the truth and that we can all be edified from the study of Romans 6. I think the study this evening is going to go very well with Brian's lesson for us this morning. I think they work hand in hand together. The letter to the Romans. There's uh, 16 chapters in the letter to the Romans. We're at chapter 6. We're about a third of the way through the chapter. And I'd like to take a moment and kind of summarize what we've studied so far. Romans is speaking to Jews and Gentiles, and he gives us a history lesson. But he gives us so much more. He gives us daily application, if we'll take it and apply it to our lives. And I think it's a great help for us as Christians, for older Christians, but especially especially for new Christians. It's great to help us to understand how a Christian lives, to see the transformation of a Christian, to see changing from a life of sin, a life without law, a life without consequences, to a Christian life, to the life a Christian should have. One with consequences, but one with a reward. The letter to the Romans states the gospel. It states it very clearly and very completely for us. If we look at all the chapters and all of, all of it together, we get the gospel. The first three chapters of Romans discusses how man is incomplete, how man is lost without God. Man doesn't have hope. It also discusses that no one can be justified without God. Everyone needs redemption. Even the Jews who had the law, who were God's people, they still didn't find complete justification. They still weren't completely saved. They rolled their sins forward, but they never found forgiveness. We also see another theme, something we're going to talk quite a bit about tonight as we go through this, that sin causes separation. God is pure and holy. And he has no part in sin. And sin separates us from God. We can't be worldly and godly at the same time. We can't put our foot in both boxes and live. If we're trying to do that, we're worldly. We're living in sin. So we say that there's a very clear line of separation in the letter to the Romans. And that separation is because of sin. We also see that God has the power to save. God has had a plan for us. 
And God offers us a gift, an opportunity, a new life, a new beginning. And we see that that gift, that opportunity, comes to us through Jesus, through his sacrifice. And he was able to do what that old law couldn't do. He was able to fulfill what that old law couldn't. What we can't do for ourselves today. As we move into the third and fifth, third, fourth, and fifth chapters, we see that God has always provided for His people. And He's provided them a way of salvation, and He's provided us a way of salvation. And God has always had a plan for His creation. We studied chapter 5 last week. Cain did an excellent job with that. And out of that we gain that man needs a Savior. That man cannot earn salvation. But Jesus died on the cross for us. That sin come into this world through Adam. And that we've all fallen short. We've all sinned. But Jesus came and he died on that cross and he made a way for us. A way for us to be justified, for us to be cleansed, for us to be called righteous. And that, begin, that brings us to Romans 6. We're going we're gonna to start reading here in Romans 6, but I want to talk about one verse first. And I want you to tuck it back in your mind and think about it. And keep it in mind as we go through the study, and I think it'll help. It's Romans 6 and verse 23, and it reads, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We see a contrast, a comparison, right? It talks about wages. We all understand what wages are. We have a job, and we go to it, and we earn wages. Wages is something that we earn. And then it talks about a gift. We understand what a gift is. A gift is an act of kindness. It's something not earned, right? So what do we earn as man without God? If we're living a sinful life, we're earning, or we deserve death. We deserve punishment. We deserve separation. But there's that other thing he talked about there in that verse, that gift. And God gives us blessings. He gives us life. He gives us rest. And ultimately, a home with Him in heaven if we're found faithful. And it's not because we earned it. It's not like the wages that we earned when we were living a sinful life. It's a gift. And He gave it to us because He's merciful. Because He loves His creation. And He wants to bless His creation. This gift is what Paul is teaching about in the last part of chapter 5 moving into chapter 6 
Paul says there in chapter 5 that Christ saved us by grace, not by the keeping of the law. That Christ died on the cross for our sins. And that's why we have forgiveness. That's why we have the opportunity for forgiveness. Why we can be justified. Not us keeping the law, us keeping the commandments, us working or doing good and being a good person doesn't save us. It's that gift from God. So we're going to pick up here in Romans 5 to start our point. 5 and verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abound unto many, and not as it was <clears throat> by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offense unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Verse 20 reads there, Moreover, the law entered that offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. To me, that means God's grace is bigger than our sins. God can and will cleanse us of our sins. If we seek Him and obey His will. And He'll make you right with Him. And He can do it. And it doesn't matter what your sin is. He can cover it. Christ's blood can cover your sin. It doesn't matter how bad it is. But you have to. You have to follow God's plan. And follow His will. And keeping that in mind, that leads us into verse 1 of chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? You know, another way of saying this is, is if we have grace, and grace can cover our sins, what do we have to worry about? We just talked about grace being able to, Christ's blood being able to cover our sins no matter what they are. So what if we have the attitude of, Christ died, and I was sorry when I was baptized, and I believed, and I confessed, and I'm a Christian now, and my sins are covered. So let's have some fun. Now let's not worry about the sin, and let's not worry about consequences of sin. Why do we worry about sin? Why do we worry about the consequences of it? Why do we worry about death and separation? Paul answers it for us in verse 2. He says, God forbid. 
How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? We cannot partake in sin and expect to partake in joy. The joy of God's righteousness. We can't live that life. We can't live straddling one fence and straddling the other. Living in the world and trying to live godly. And Paul's very clear here. He says, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? We can't do it. I'm going to go ahead and read uh, verses 13 through 3 through 13. And then I want to come back and make some more comments on the first 13 verses. Know ye not that so many of us were baptized unto Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead in Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of the righteousness unto God. So as Christians, we're still going to face temptations. Just because we're baptized, just because we believe, doesn't mean that sin goes away. It doesn't mean that temptations go away. I wish it did. It would be easier. But it doesn't. You know, there should be a change when we become Christians. And if we desire to continue in sin, if we desire to, to stay the same, to not repent, to not change our ways, to not remove ourselves from the world, then it shows a great misunderstanding. We don't understand grace. And we don't understand Jesus' sacrifice. And that's what Paul's trying to clear up here. That we can't serve sin and God at the same time. It says that grace may abound. What is grace? You know, one definition of grace is God's unmerited favor. 
to me, this chapter here, the first two verses, really sums up our daily struggle. Every day in life, we wake up, and we start the day, and we start making choices. And some of those choices are frivolous and meaningless, but some of them have life-changing consequences. And those choices, the ones I'm talking about, basically boil down into two categories. Are we going to serve God, or are we going to serve ourselves? Are we going to serve sin? Are we going to show up at work on time, or are we going to cheat somebody? Are we going to break the law when we get there, or are we going to do what's right? Are we going to tell a little lie to somebody so we don't hurt their feelings, or are we going to tell them the truth? Are we going to treat our spouse the way we're supposed to treat our spouse? Or are we going to treat them the way the world does? These are the type of choices I'm talking about. And that's what he's talking about. To be different. To not do those sinful things and allow grace to cover them. But to make an effort to be better. To be Christ-like. To serve God, not to serve ourselves, not to serve sin. As I said, sin remains in our life as Christians. It's there. It's a temptation. But it shouldn't rule us. It shouldn't have a hold on us. If we practice, and if we try, and if we study, and if we pray, and we draw closer to God, sin's not going to be as loud in our voice. You know, when we're first Christians, it's loud and roaring like a megaphone, yelling at us, telling us what we need to do, telling us how we need to have fun, telling us all the things we're missing out on. But the closer we draw to Christ, the quieter it gets. But it doesn't go away. Temptation's always there. We need to learn to resist it. We need to learn to avoid it. Grace makes us right with God. So what made us wrong with God? sin and sin causes separation it causes us to be separated from God and it'll cause us to be separated in eternity Romans uh, 6 verses 3 through 5 we see here I'm going to turn and read that So as I read that, I have this graphic here for you to help kind of follow along. It says, Or do you not know that as many as us were baptized into Christ Jesus, we were baptized unto his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk 
in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. The person that we were, the one who lived in sin, should have died there. And a new person should have been resurrected there. It shouldn't be the same. We should have a new perspective. As Christians, we need to put away. We need to remove. We need to repent. However you want to say it, we need to have a change in our lives, in our lifestyle. And it shouldn't include sin. But it should be something new and something godly. Verse 8 says, Now if we be dead in Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. As Christians, we believe that we have a home in heaven prepared for us. And I believe these verses here, throughout the rest of the chapter, are dealing with that, this present time. You know, from the time we were baptized to the time that we die and we go to heaven, there's that in-between time. And that's what these verses are dealing with now. And that's where I got the, gives us an idea of how a Christian should live, what a Christian lifestyle should look like. It should be a new life, free from sin, free from the law, and free from that spiritual death. We need to make a fresh start or turn away from sin. So let's start reading again in Romans 6, beginning in verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know you not that whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey? Whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. That form of doctrine was baptism, that change in your life. Verse 19. And I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh, for if you have for as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were servants of sin, you were freed from righteousness. What fruit had you in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death, but now being made freed from sin and become servants of God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end of everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verses 17 and 18. It talks about being servants of sin. 
but now servants of righteousness. You see the contrast in the two? Talked about being slaves to sin. Slaves have no choice. They're just in it. Under the old law, you could not earn forgiveness. And you could never truly be clean. Your sins were rolled forward. But under the New Testament, forgiveness is a gift. It's undeserved, but it's a gift and it's waiting for you. And you can be justified. You can be made whole. You can be forgiven. We see there that that separation again. How sin separates us. How it leads to death. We have a daily choice to make. We've been freed from sin if we've been baptized. If we followed the plan of salvation. And we're no longer guilty of that sin. We've been forgiven. But sin is still there, as we mentioned before. It's still attractive. It's still a temptation. Paul tells them to stop giving their bodies over to sin. It's a choice. Nobody makes us. We choose ourselves. And I encourage you, choose to live after God. Choose righteousness. Righteousness is being with God and having a relationship with God. Sin is very temper the pleasure in sin is very temporary. The consequences are not, but the pleasure is very, very temporary at best. But you know, we're going to have, there's going to be punishment or rest for eternity. And it's waiting each and every one of us. And we have to choose, we get to choose right now, which one do we want? Do we want an eternity of rest? Or do we want an eternity of punishment? So kind of summarizing Romans 6, I believe we can see that God's grace is free. We cannot earn it, and we certainly should not take it for granted. And I believe that's what Paul was teaching them there. It's not to take it for granted. I don't know if they had a problem with it or not. But he was concerned enough to them to write them about it. I'd like to look at how grace is mentioned through the chapters that we've studied so far in Romans. Romans 2 and 4 reads, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? I'm speaking of God's grace. Chapter 3 and verse 24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 27, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? By the works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Our faith is how we 
how we live as Christians. Verse four, chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore it is of faith that we might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to that which is of the law, but also to that which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Chapter 5 and verse 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace by which one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And verse 21. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through the righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Look at Ephesians 2 and verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness to us through Christ Jesus. For by grace you are saved through faith, and not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we, is, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath therefore hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Don't take grace for granted. It's a gift. Strengthen yourself, strengthen your faith, and trust in grace. But don't take it for granted. So looking at Romans 6, I'd like to make a couple of applications. First of all, we have a choice to make. Are we going to serve sin, or are we going to serve God? Colossians 3 and verse 1. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid in Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your bodies which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in which whom you also walked some time when you lived in them. But now you also put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, put out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. It talks about a change, something different. You were this, now become this. He says to put on the new man. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, seething, bond nor free, but Christ is in all, is all and in all. 
put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. And if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. We need to be different. We don't need to have sin in our lives. Put it out of your life. Next, humble yourselves. We talked about deserving separation because of sin. Not deserving rewards. But God has given us this grace. Given us this free gift. Let's take advantage of it. Let's use it. Use it properly. Galatians 2 and verse 17. But if... While we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found sinners. Therefore, Christ, the minister of our sin, God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For though I, for I through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God, I am crucified with Christ nevertheless. I live... Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for the righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead, death, dead in vain. talks about being dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. I live, yet not I, but Christ. He's taken the I in his life and replaced it with Christ. He's taken the wants and the desires of sin and replaced them with goodness. He's put Christ first in his life. And I would encourage you to do the same tonight. Just take your pride and put it down. And take your selfishness and put it down and put it away. And put Christ first in your life. Seek Him. Seek His goodness. Seek to do good. And draw close to Him. And finally, in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 15, And that He, <coughs> and that he died for all, that they which <coughs> should live, not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto Him which died for them, and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, know ye not, we know no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God. Who hath re <coughs> reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and have given to us the ministry of reconciliation, 
to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and have committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead that you be reconciled unto God, for he hath made him to be our sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. All these verses, all these readings here at the end talk about a new creature, a new beginning, a new man. Something not full of sin, but something full of righteousness. And I'd like to leave you with that tonight. Put away sin if you have it in your life. Become something new. Enjoy the pleasures that God has for you. I said before that I believe the gospel is taught in Romans. I believe that we can find all of these things taught throughout the Roman letter. That man is lost without God. That Christ died for our sins. That we did not deserve reconciliation. But that Christ paid our debts when we couldn't pay them ourselves. That Christ died and rose again from the grave. That baptism is how we come in contact with Christ and his shed blood. That we are to become new creatures and no longer serve sin. And that if we do this, that we can find a home in heaven. I read this to you and I offer the gospel invitation. We're going to stand and sing the invitation song. And if the words touch your heart or if there's something that the church can pray for you for, Please come forward as we stand and sing.